The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. This is Arun Sudaman from The Homes Report. We are here in the Renaissance Hotel in downtown Dubai, and I'm very lucky to be joined by uh, Asda Burson Conanwolf President, Mr. Sunil John. Sunil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Arun, and welcome to Dubai. Thank you, Sunil. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to be back here. We had our second innovation summit here today, um, which was very successful. And indeed, you led a very interesting, quite provocative discussion, I thought, on CEO activism. Um, So that was fun. Uh, But I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you about public relations in the Middle East, because you're something of a pioneer when it comes to PR in the Middle East. And I wondered if we could start maybe by you perhaps letting our listeners know your story um, when it comes to how you have seen the industry grow up here. Yes, actually, Arun, uh, it's, it's quite a story because uh, I came to the shores of the Gulf uh, nearly 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a time when, uh, you know, PR was hardly existent in, the, in this region. It was uh, a dominant advertising play. And you had a few uh, firms, uh, PR firms, that would essentially be part of a larger advertising group. Uh, and that's where I came in in the year 1994. Uh, yeah, okay. a, firm, a fairly pioneering firm called Intermarkets Public Relations, mm-hmm. uh, which was the Burson Masler affiliate at that time. Oh, okay. So there was an old BM connection actually. Already. Uh, uh, and it was interesting times, but yet uh, uh, scale was uh, non existent. So, right. so, I mean, really, when you look at that journey from 25 years ago to today, uh, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Indeed, actually, the first five years of my, of my career in the region was when I worked for two different PR firms, Interpockets PR being one of them. Mm-hmm. And then in the year uh, uh, 2000 is when uh, the entrepreneurial bug mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, got me to think of an opportunity, an opportunity which actually said if you create an independent brand, that is created within this Arab world, for the Arab world, Mm. uh, there was a very good opportunity to go for a market that didn't exist at that time. And that's why Azda was born. Uh, Azda itself uh, was the first step to name the firm because we wanted to give it an Arab identity. Mm. Azda, as you know, is an uh, uh, Arabic word which means echoes. So we uh, echo the messages of our clients in the marketplace. And that's how we were born uh, nearly 19 years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, and from there, uh, from six people and one office in Dubai, today we have nine wholly owned offices across what we call the Middle East and North Africa markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and another eight affiliates where we cover around 15 different countries across the region. So a network that spreads across this region, vast region of 400 million people. Right, sure. Uh, you know, uh, 60% of the population being uh, below the age of 30. So it's, it is, without mm-hmm. doubt, the youngest demographic in the world. So that's right. one of the reasons why we saw there was, there was reason for growth, there was the youth dividend, uh, and of course, there was uh, oil. 
in, a, in a oil driven economies of the Gulf states of course mm. and so uh, from there uh, I think 2008 is when uh, we grew to a fairly large size mm -hmm. uh, uh, and attracted the attention of uh, WPP uh, Sir Martin Sorrell acquired majority stake in our firm mm -hmm. to make us an integrate, integral part of Burson Mastler and since the merger between Burson and Conan Wolf in 2000 and, and early 2018 uh, we are today as the BCW so quite a journey yeah. from uh, from uh, a place where a PR industry really didn't exist sure. to uh, to where we are today uh, a, a PR industry that's probably worth between 400 to 500 million dollars in size right okay uh, and, and with huge growth potential okay. and I believe our own this is uh, probably the fastest growing PR market in the world today. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's interesting to know. And how do you see the general state of the industry here? Because there's been some ups and downs in recent years, but how are you feeling about 2019? I think we, we've, uh, we've seen uh, uh, growth uh, since the the financial crisis of 2008 and 9, there was a dip there. Yeah. But then it slowly started coming up. And as mm -hmm. you know, oil prices, you know, many, much of the economies depend on where the oil prices are. So mm -hmm. we went through, uh, since 2008, a slow uh, increase to nearly double-digit growth over the last seven to eight years. Mm. Uh, uh, and and uh, uh, despite oil prices falling uh, in 2014, that growth hasn't ebbed. Uh, mm. and, and that's been growing really well. So we are one of, one of the fastest growing markets for, uh, for uh, BCW as well. Okay. Uh, and, and that, uh, uh, in a way, because we've reached that critical size, mm -hmm. uh, we are probably the only global brand that has the Middle East, North Africa as an independent region, mm. or rather a reporting region to worldwide. Sure. As you know, we were p earlier part of Europe, Middle East and Africa, and yep. today we are uh, a region in its own right, with its own critical mass, mm. reporting to worldwide. So, in a way, a testament of our size, our standards, and our growth potential. Mm. And how do you see the, the sort of general state of the PR industry in the Middle East? I think uh, I'm very optimistic of uh, growth continuing. Mm. I think uh, we have uh, we have so much more potential. When you, when you look at the Middle East and North Africa, you're really looking at three different regions, actually, mm -hmm. uh, with each of its, with its own characteristics. You right. have the six Gulf states, which are the oil-rich states, mm -hmm. and obviously with a great amount of uh, uh, economic growth. And when you look at just these six Gulf states, you're looking at an economy of nearly $1.6 trillion. Mm. You know, a uh, population of roughly about 55 million people with one of the highest per capita incomes. Mm. Uh, and that's where the real growth for PR industries. In fact, most of it is coming from the six Gulf states mm. and most of it is hubbed in two countries, the United Arab Emirates mm -hmm. and Saudi Arabia, mm. really. But when you look at the other two regions, distinct regions, the Levantine region, for mm -hmm. example, here you have Syria. Iraq, the Palestinian territories, Lebanon, Jordan, and when and this is a region which makes global headlines for all the wrong reasons, you know, war-ravaged countries, uh, uh, lots of uh, dependent dependencies on 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 uh, uh, loans coming from the actually oil-rich Gulf states.
but yet, uh, and so there's not much in terms of uh, uh, positive optimism there, but there is clearly a market for reconstruction work that will happen, especially in Syria and Iraq, uh, mm. for example. And then you have the North African states where, uh, of course, dominated by the populous Egypt country, nearly 100 million people, mm. you know, uh, uh, and the third largest economy in the Middle East, but also the francophone countries of Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco, and of course there is uh, Libya. Mm. So that really constitutes what we call the Middle East, and as you can see, the Gulf, the Levant, and the North African countries. Mm -hmm. Three very distinct regions, but the PR business today is in the Gulf states. Okay, but right. Imagine the potential of growth sure. in the other regions. Yeah, and incredible diversity as well. Incredible diversity, but a hell of a lot of commonality as well. Mm, okay. So when you really look at it, you know, you have uh, a region of 400 million people, as I said before, with one language, the Arabic language. Yep. And of course, you have uh, uh, yeah, the, the one common religion. Most, mm. of, most of the region is Islam, Islamic. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, so that kind of binds the region together, mm. but there are so many different. So when you, look, uh, when you do this broad brush approaches to the region, mm -hmm. it really doesn't uh, uh, give you the true picture. When you dive a little deeper, you see the nuances, the different sure. changes. So you can see opportunities and challenges, of course. Yeah. But I see more opportunities uh, mm -hmm. for growth for the PR for, uh, industry because a lot of these emerging economies will want to have a voice mm -hmm. in uh, in the global uh, uh, scene, so to speak. Mm. And that's where I think they'll need help from good professional firms. And what, what do you see as the key challenges? I think in, in, in terms of challenges, uh, I see, you know, the region has a very distinct business culture mm -hmm. in terms of how they operate. Uh, PR uh, firms need to understand that, you know, business practices that work very well in Western markets, uh, such as London and New York, will not cut ice over here. So, yeah. you know, I think more investment in seeing how, you know, relationships are built. I call it the slow burn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but once you invest time and energy into those relationships, I think they can, they can grow in a huge way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, uh, not that it's very distinct from other parts of the world, yeah. but I think here, I think a little more investment in being able to understand the cultural mores, the way people do business. Mm -hmm. uh, Arabic language is critical, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, the dominant median language is, 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 is Arabic, and, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and that's why Arabic talent, uh, getting Arabic talent is one of the biggest problems mm. and challenges we have in this region. So I think uh, uh, that uh, in addition to uh, the fact that uh, it is a, a nascent markets, clients are understanding PR and growth happens in fits and starts. So, mm. you know, once that, uh, you know, so one has to be a little more perseverant and patient in mm -hmm. this part of the world. Uh, and kind of go with the ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. But if you are seen to be committed to the region, seen to be investing in this region, mm -hmm. growth happens. Mm -hmm. And that's in many ways the Asta BCW story. Yep. It's 19 years of growth in this yep. market sure. to, to, to get us to where we are today, you know, in terms of size and stature and, um, and being recognized as a pioneer, as you just said. Mm. And I think clients uh, link with us, uh, they have uh, uh, so much in terms of uh, how we position ourselves mm -hmm. with our Arabic heritage, mm -hmm. 
and our ability to scale across the world. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's where the the uh, the opportunities lie as well. Sure. Yeah. In terms of growth prospects, yeah. um, is it centered on the six Gulf states, um, or do you see growth potential in the other two regions, the Levantine and, and North Africa? I think growth uh, in the next, uh, um, you know, three to five years will mm. uh, will continue to emerge from the Gulf, mm. and the other markets will emerge. Uh, during that period, so, yeah. so the okay. the dominant focus will be. And let me explain to you what growth means mm. uh, in this region. You know, when you really look at the region, you have global mega brands mm -hmm. from this region. You know, in the aviation industry, you have brands like Emirates, Ittihad, mm -hmm. Qatar Airways. In uh, in logistics, you have DP World, one of the largest players in in the world. In solvent wealth finance, uh, for example, you have Mubadala, mm -hmm. you have Adia, the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, you have PIF in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. These are large players with global ambitions. Mm -hmm. In the energy sector, you have the largest company in the world, Aramco. You have Adnoc in Abu Dhabi, mm -hmm. and you have Sabic, you know, all in the energy and petrochemical sector. Mm -hmm. In the culture and philanthropic phase, you have Qatar Foundation, you have Mist Foundation, mm -hmm. and then you have very large corporates like MR and Dubai Holding and Jumeirah and the Al-Futames and Miras and Americana. <laughs> and when you look at it, these are big global brands and they're going to continue to grow. Yeah. And these, these are brands that will continue to grow globally. So sure. your need for global PR firms yeah. to be able to come into this region is important. When you look at growth in, for example, uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, this what they call the giga projects of NEOM, sure. you know, the, the $500 billion city that's coming up, uh, you know, across three different countries actually, but mostly centered in Saudi Arabia. The big ambitious tourism project, the Red Sea Development Company, uh, again, uh, on the shores of the Red Sea, uh, which is the size of the Maldives with you know, 30 to 40 hotels coming up here. And it's a dramatic actually what's being developed there. Uh, uh, you, you will see uh, uh, a, a lot of change in the entertainment and tourism sector mm. in Saudi Arabia. You know, you might be, uh, it might surprise you that in December of 2018, you had so many different international entertainers coming into Saudi Arabia with concerts. For example, you had Toby Keith, you had Mariah Carey, you had the Black Eyed Peas, you had Enrique Iglesias and David Guetta, all in Saudi Arabia, all in a period of one month. And, and if you look at the kind of popular view of Saudi Arabia and see what's happening inside, you just have to travel to see it's ha what is happening there. It's, it's bubbling with energy, it's a young population. Uh, despite all the recent issues of the Khashoggi affair and things like that, the economy is strong. It's, 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 a, it's the largest, it's a G20 economy. Mm. Uh, and that brings me to the subject, you know, Riyadh is going to be the city where the next G20 meeting is going to happen mm. in November of 2020. And of course, here in the UAE, you're going to have the World Exposition in 2020. It's one of the most glittering events. The first time it's, uh, you know, such an event has come to the Arabian Peninsula. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and again, the, one of the largest sporting events in the world. You know, uh, the World Cup in 2022 is coming in Doha in Qatar. Yeah. You know, in March this year, the Special Olympics coming up in Abu Dhabi. And of course, the F1 circuit, Abu Dhabi and Bahrain are mainstays in the, in the circuit mm -hmm. there. Uh, Morocco is going to host the next world uh, gatherings of the IMF and World Banks in, in 2021. 
So when you look at all of these big gatherings and meetings happening, the big uh, investments in tourism and infrastructure, the big global brands, you're looking at a region that is going to be very, very active, mm. a region that's going to be uh, very attractive for global PR firms to look at. So anybody that matters in PR and not being in the Middle East is, is probably going to be a, a, a big mistake. So mm. those are growth opportunities. So when I look at it, I told you earlier, Aaron, it, this, this region is, I, in my opinion, about uh, 400 to 500 uh, mm. million dollars. Uh, and I see in the next uh, period of uh, under a decade, mm. this is going to double to a billion dollars in revenue. So okay. it will be a sizable market. It will uh, be. Yeah. Sure. So th all of those events and so forth that you mentioned and the rise of these big brands as well from this part of the world brings with it a lot of scrutiny. And we've seen some of that play out. Sure. For example, we've seen the attention that the World Cup in Qatar has attracted. Yes. Not all of it positive. And we've seen in many places, not just the Middle East, sometimes the homegrown companies have a less mature attitude to PR, or maybe even invest less. Mm. Do you see either of those issues? So there's the scrutiny that, that this rise brings and the level of investment in sophisticated public relations, do you see a, is there potentially a disconnect there? Uh, I think um, scrutiny is everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. there's scrutiny in China as much as in the Middle East. Uh, yeah. uh, and I think, uh, uh, I think this region particularly uh, has been subject to that scrutiny of late uh, mm. in, in, in many ways. Uh, I think uh, the World Cup in Qatar, uh, 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 there's still questions being asked. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I think that's uh, the normal evolution of a region maturing. Sure. You know, I think, uh, uh, but the region is young, mm. it's ambitious, it'll continue to uh, attract attention. Uh, there will be growth mm -hmm. and there will be scrutiny. Mm -hmm. So I, I consider that as a normal uh, process of growth and maturity. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I, I wouldn't say uh, you know, everything is hunky-dory in the region. Mm -hmm. uh, I think some of the biggest problems in the world uh, are centered around this region, mm -hmm. uh, whether it is uh, terrorism uh, or uh, you know, lack of opportunity for young people. And as I said, the region is a very divided region. It's, mm -hmm. There are the haves and the have-nots. There are issues on uh, uh, women's rights, on, uh, on gender uh, pay and, and opportunities for women in general. Mm -hmm. I think all of those questions will come up. But it's a region that is fast maturing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a region that is young and ambitious. And mm -hmm. I, I, I would like to stay optimistic about this. Mm -hmm. And I think scrutiny and, uh, and governance for companies as well uh, is a good sign. Mm -hmm. I, think, uh, I, think, yep. uh, I think more and more governments, especially after the Arab Spring, are becoming more conscious that they should be part of uh, the global citizenship and be able to follow global uh, uh, regulations and be seen to be an equal partner in, in making uh, the world a better place to live in. And is that being reflected in the attitude towards public relations, for example? 
Is there more investment in PR? Is there a more sophisticated attitude towards how to deploy PR? Oh, in the 25 years that I've, I've mm. been here, I've seen, uh, I've seen that, uh, uh, that view on PR change dramatically yeah. from uh, uh, my early days in, in uh, Azda where I would uh, go, to, go to companies that never used PR before. I mean, literally, uh, you know, I didn't, I mean, our, our main philosophy was to create our own market. Mm. I mean, that's how Azda grew because we went to we went to uh, clients that never used PR before, mm -hmm. you know. We, uh, ours was not a business model of, uh, you know, pitching and poaching. It was more of creating your own market. Mm -hmm. and, and those are the clients that are our mainstays today. Right. You know, those regional businesses, those government clients, those family businesses, mm -hmm. who we uh, uh, sat down and explained to them about PR. And today they are firm believers, you know, mm -hmm. governments, uh, are today probably the biggest spenders of PR today. Mm. And, why do you, and why do they do that? Because they want to be seen to be uh, uh, of value to, uh, to the citizenry that they serve, which is not the case even 10 years ago, mm. you know, uh, to, uh, to being, uh, having a voice uh, within the global community as well. Mm. So I think that's where PR is coming. To, I, I think we, we, we do great, great work and of great value to our mm -hmm. clients because we bring about a better understanding, you know, yeah. and, and, and which, is, which is one of the things that we do, as you know, in our annual Arab Youth Survey mm -hmm. as well, because we, we bring out a study so that people can understand the region better. Mm -hmm. So today on stage you talked about this topic of CEO activism. And the lesson from your session, yeah. from your panelists, they all agreed CEOs should take a stand. Yes. Now I'm going to ask you, as a public relations expert, are CEOs actually taking a stand in this part of the world as much as they should be? I think that that was more an aspirational yes <laughs> <laughs> from my panel today. Uh, I, I think uh, the region is pretty... Uh, infamous mm -hmm. for having faceless CEOs mm. for decades. You never know, knew the, of their existence. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's because uh, there was a tradition uh, of, uh, you know, staying below the radar. Mm. Uh, I kind of call it the tall poppy syndrome, mm. you know, simply because I think uh, most, of, most of these people came into those positions because of either government patronage or, you know, and they didn't want to be seen to be uh, you know, crossing a line, mm -hmm. which which actually most often would be drawn by them, them actually. Mm. So, you know, fear of getting cut down to size if they dare to raise a dissenting voice uh, or any voice at all was, was the issue. But I think there are some fabulous exceptions of CEOs who've come out and have shown the way and have, uh, and have been uh, brave uh, enough to talk about issues that are outside the business realm to talk about issues that concern society. Uh, and in many ways, you know, whether it is to, to encourage more entrepreneurialism among young people, to encourage more startups coming into, into this region, simply because young people dependent on governments to create jobs and, you know, governments have a limitation. So, you know, how can private sector, how can young people go and start their own businesses? So that was one, you know, uh, education systems which are kind of archaic and there are lots of leaders who come and talk about how one should transform that to be able to get young people 
who are, who are ready and educated for the future, a very, very different world that we're going to live in very soon. Uh, uh, you know, those kinds of issues, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, uh, government regulation, whether, you know, I mean, it is a criminal offense if uh, one of your checks bounce here, you know, uh, you could go to jail and, you know, there is no bankruptcy law, for example. Mm. So, you know, ca you know, captains of industry, uh, you know, big lawyers come and talk about that. And, there's going, and that has had an impact on government because they are listening to mm. these people and they are changing regulation. I mean, it's only recently in the Gulf markets that value-added tax was introduced. It's a tax-free regime over here, mm -hmm. and it took quite some time for the businesses to get used to that. So there was a business consultation, and there were a lot of, you know, CEOs who were vocal. So it really worked, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's why I think uh, CEO activism, uh, it's made a small start, I, I, but I think it's made a significant start. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, more and more CEOs are being courageous to talk about uh, about issues uh, that impact society. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's more about companies, as Paul Polman and Indra Nui actually kind of started that revolution about purpose with performance, about companies you know, creating a, 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 you know, a better place for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people are following that, you know, mm -hmm. so no longer the fluffy CSR statements, more about real statements that are authentic, mm. that CEOs believe in and companies do real work in. Yeah, it's, it's encouraging to hear. And finally, Sunil, as someone who has founded and built uh, an agency in this, this region, um, a, a very big agency in this region, what do you look for when it comes to the kind of talent that you think will thrive in this part of the world? I think, uh, you know, uh, talent is, is, uh, is the big question, you know, in terms of growth, you know, can we get more, more talent to come into this region? Mm. Uh, you know, when, when uh, I started Asda 20 years ago, you know, there was hardly any Arab talent. Mm. And one of the big things that Asda did was to take fresh Arab graduates and get them interested in the profession, train them, nurture them. Many of them are still with us. Several of them are in competing firms and, and in client, client situations. And uh, I'm very proud that our firm was able to attract so many people. Uh, there's a fair amount of expats uh, from different parts of the world who come in here as well and, and, uh, and contribute to growth in this region. But the future is Arab talent. And mm. I, see, I see that's where the growth is going to come from. Uh, uh, the lo I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the local talent pool that we have today. Mm. I think, uh, uh, especially in markets like Saudi Arabia, the Saudi nationals, a lot of them are coming, their work ethic is changing, they're mm. hardworking and smart young people, especially the women, you know, and, and I see, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm very positive about, uh, about that. And what we look for are, is talent that, uh, that takes the initiative, you know, that, uh, that go the extra mile, that, uh, you know, that in a, in a market like this, they see the opportunities and create programs that resonate in this part of the world, you know. Uh, you know, copying a, a successful program in another market doesn't work here because our, our, our realities are very, very different. And I think uh, we, we're looking at talent that is that are ambitious, that sees the opportunity for growth mm. and see growth for them as well. You know, I think, uh, uh, we want people to be brave, to, to be able to take risks, to be able to look at this new 
integrated offering that clients demand today in this market, where in many ways agencies are falling short of that. You know, uh, I think uh, creativity is going to make a big difference. So, and that's where I think a lot of our talent that we are hiring today are more on the creative space. You know, whether it's as you know, uh, you know, besides Asda, I also run two other brands. The uh, proof, which is the uh -huh. digital and uh, uh, and the design uh, offering, as well as PSB Middle East, which is a research offering. So we call it the power of three, uh -huh. that that provide that integrated spread for our clients, and it's working really well for for most of our uh, relationships. Uh, so I think those are the kinds of talents, you know, more more young talent, more creative talent, more digitally oriented talent, because today our ambition is to transform as the BCW, as BCW globally as well, into mm -hmm. a digital first agency that has earned at its core. Mm -hmm. I think we're not going to lose that, you know, that strength of ours being, uh, uh, you know, having that earned core, but I think being digital and more integrated is where the future is, and mm -hmm. that's what clients want, and that's where we are putting all our uh, time and our money to, to be able to transform and, and be able to meet that need to the market. Okay, well, it's, it's a fascinating story, and we look forward to the next chapters. Um, best of luck with it all, and, and we'll, be, we'll be watching your progress closely. Um, thank you so much for joining the show today. We'll have you back on fairly soon, I hope. Thank you. Thank you, Arun. It was a pleasure to talk to you and, and come more often to Dubai. I, I wish I could. This is, as I said, the fastest growing market. You get lots of stories over here. Okay, yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good reason. That's a very good reason. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group. Putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.